Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Ao, a VC founder and father. Join us for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.jeremyao.com. Hey, Joel. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on the show uh, because we've known each other supposedly since our junior college days, even though we hardly ran into each other. Uh, but we've had interesting parallel lives as serial founders, and now you're the co-founder of Aspire, doing off amazing things. Yet I think uh, we've had some uh, interesting stories, war stories along the way. And so uh, excited to kind of like share some of the uh, war stories along the way. <laughs> Totally, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So uh, could you share about who you are professionally right now? Yeah, sure. Um, so currently, uh, I'm the co-founder at Aspire. Aspire, in a nutshell, is uh, let's, let's say we're, we're on a mission to reinvent business banking uh, for the next generation of entrepreneurs, founders like, you know, myself, yourself. You know, looking back, uh, like you said, multiple time startup founder, Lots. I mean, that's pretty much defined uh, my professional life as it is today, uh, much like yours. And uh, yeah, uh, lots of learnings along the way. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, we've got to understand, like, how did you first enter entrepreneurship, right? Because you and I, we uh, were, you know, you were doing rugby, you were in arts, <laughs> in JC. <laughs> I was in doing judo and I was doing, you know, bio, chem, econ, math, so supposedly, you know, medicine, faculty, whatever the hell that was called in um, JC, right? And then I went off to do the management, you know, university and management consulting track. And then you eventually ended up working and becoming the founder of Haystack. But how did you, you know, be become an entrepreneur along the way? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> it's, it's funny, right? When you look back, I'm I don't know which side sort of defined uh, me more as a person, right? Uh, you know, it's definitely a very sporty, go-getter side of me. Um, there's also a very sort of, you know, uh, arts-driven uh, side of me, creative side. And uh, I, I guess I never saw them really as, as conflicting. I pursued a, a degree in communication studies, actually, during which actually at, at some point, you know, I actually got really into the film and <laughs> at some point had this, you know, vision even of a, becoming a, a director of sorts, right? Um, but eventually, as, as, you know, I was, you know, thinking about what to do after university, it's actually a very uh, naive story. And I, I, I choose naive as a word because um, I think it was right about that time when um, I was I was actually quite a tech laggard in that sense, right? I was still using a a non smartphone. I, I had just transitioned uh, to to my very first iPhone, and I think this was a couple of gens in, right? So I'm, I'm definitely a laggard in that regard. Um, but just using it kind of blew my mind. I, I felt that intuitively I could understand somehow the way the product was designed. You know, not, not so much on the hardware side, but maybe more on the software side, you know, certain decisions that were made. I felt that I was, yeah, I wasn't a, a pro, but maybe, you know, on the, 
on the higher end of prosumer, right? And, and it was that naivety that that kind of led me to say, like, no, I, I should be in this world, right? I should be in the technology world. Um, it's something that I think uh, is going to change uh, the way the entire world operates, uh, and I, I I should be a part of it. I could see myself devoting uh, the rest of my life to to something like that. Um, and yeah, not knowing any better, uh, decided to to start something. And why did you decide to start a haystack? Because you know something could be so many things, right? You know, so why haystack out of all those things all the way back in 2012, which was by the way super early, right? 2012 was pretty much also when I was also I think out of college. Yeah, I was also starting something as well. And I remember seeing you building it around the same time as well. Uh, I was building Conjunct Consulting, you're building Haystack around the same time. Yeah, totally. So I, I think, you know, um, Haystack was for me sort of an expression, maybe. Um, I, you know, I was definitely really young at the time, uh, hopefully still young. But, uh, you know, I, I think there was a lot of creative energy that I had uh, and, and was, was really drawn to that was occurring at the time. Um, and then I, I think, you know, back then not knowing any better, uh, you know, I don't come from, say, a management consulting background, for example, right? So I just kind of, you know, it was a, it was a passion thing, right? Uh, I, uh, on, on one hand, I knew that like in the States, you know, you had Etsy, that was, you know, uh, democratizing, you know, commerce in its own way, uh, allowing everyone to, to, to creatively express and actually reap the rewards of, of that expression. Um, and I felt that it was something that, you know, wasn't in Southeast Asia. I felt at, at the same time, there was a lot of, you know, people trying to do creative things here. Um, and yeah, I wanted to, to sort of enable that. Yeah, it's... Looking back, you know, um, obviously Haystack didn't work out. Um, uh, you know, a couple of learnings there uh, would have been, you know, uh, timing. I think if we did it, you know, today, uh, we could potentially have a, a very different outcome and, and, and also market, right? So not sure if I, it's something that I would necessarily start in Singapore, knowing what I know today. <laughs> It's interesting, right? Because you mentioned earlier that also you have an art streak in you, right? And you're also building out this marketplace, this business thing. And you're learning all these things. And what was it like wrapping things up, right? Because that must have been tough, right? You know, you spend two years building this thing from scratch. Um, what was that like? I mean, especially especially coming out of university. Yeah, totally. I I, I think actually it wasn't, like we didn't really see it as a as a full wrap up in that sense because I think um, one of the things that we managed to do was to to really learn along the way, and my only sort of thing that I wish I would have done differently was to learn a little faster. Um, and I think if I had more experience, that's what I would have been able to do. I don't think I would have necessarily been able to make better decisions right from the get go, but I think I would have been able to learn faster and move faster. Uh, and end up, uh, you know, making sort of the right, getting the right mix together faster, or at least figuring out that it wasn't going to work, right? Um, so actually, uh, Haystack actually formed the, the, the basis 
of uh, what we built next. So may maybe I can take you a little bit through that journey. So think of Haystack as, you know, the Etsy of Southeast Asia, right? Open marketplace model. Um, not Unfortunately, not executed well, but that, that was what we were trying to achieve. And when we realized that we uh, had a real challenge to onboard a lot of merchants at the time, we realized that um, we needed to solve, you know, a, a bigger problem, right? And the, the problem wasn't access to these merchants uh, because these merchants were able to build out their own user base, uh, their own community, their own following. Um, so we actually centered around the idea of helping them sort of produce their, their next production or production that they may have always wanted to, to, to try or to produce, but never had that... Um, never had the validation uh, enough, right? To, to say, hey, I'm going to take this gamble. I'm going to put, you know, uh, you know, 50, 100K up front to, to go through with production, right? Um, so that, that, that was sort of the insight that we, that we got. And, you know, here you start, you start seeing sort of the parallels to Kickstarter, right? Um, which, which is kind of what we, we ended up building, right? Um, serving that same group of users that we had acquired, uh, but we, and again, <laughs> with a little bit of naivety, we t took a twist on, on the crowdfunding model, right? So we had this, you know, grand idea at the time that if you were to produce more units, your, your unit cost would drop, right? Um, and therefore, you should be able to pass that cost saving to, to the consumer who supported you in the first place. And in return, that should drive some sort of virality, uh, some sort of conversation that they should, you know, try to, you know, bring in a larger group and drive down that price together, right? Obviously, you know, looking back, lots of, uh, you know, number one, production costs are just one part of your, your cost, right? Um, and secondly, you know, is that cost saving necessarily uh, significant enough to really drive that virality? Um, but, you know, for what it was back at the time, it was, it was still, you know, actually fairly successful. And, and that was the last iteration that we had of Haystack. We, we actually ran quite a few successful campaigns for the artists, the, the makers and designers back then, uh, but realized quickly once that was seemed to work, we realized quickly that the market size was just not going to be large enough. Unfortunately, yeah, you know, at, at sort of that consumer level of production, um, Southeast Asia just doesn't have a, a robust enough uh, economy for that to, to take off. Right? Um, so that was when we decided that Haystack wouldn't work. Obviously, you know, lots of, uh, there definitely the topic of, let's say, figuring out how, how you move on between the founders. So, so we, we, we did have a bit of, uh, you know, I think two guys had dropped off at that point, right? Uh, and then I was going to, you know, try to run it solo next. Um, but I took that that learning, uh, and then said, okay, we have we have a model that kind of works. But, uh, the market isn't right for it. Why not let's focus on the consumers instead of, you know, continuing to serve just uh, the the creators who we very passionately wanted to to support. But, you know, business-wise, uh, didn't really quite have that case for it. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. 
And what was that like, you know, obviously, you know, you were just kind of like going through all of that learning, right? You know, kind of like step by step, learning by learning, milestone by milestone. Uh, what was that feeling like? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I think now I look back and, you know, through rose-tinted glasses and, and it becomes, you're able to crystallize that learning rather clearly, right? Back then when you're actually going through it, man, I think, you know, for, honestly, I think I was probably a bit of an emotional train wreck, right? Uh, you know, it, it, was, it was not clear at the time. Uh, we would take, I think, two, three months to, to, to come to some sort of clarity, right? Which, you know, I think is, is really a long time when it comes to startup time, right? Uh, you know, I think when you're at YC, you know, every week you're, you, you want to come up with a learning. Uh, yeah, but... You know, uh, not knowing any better at the time, I, I yeah, you know, aside from the uh, sort of ups and downs and really trying to figure out, you know, what are we trying to learn at all? I, I think the early days were messy, uh, to say the least. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's always messy, right? Because there you are and you've kind of gone through these two giant iterations, right, of, of you know, these companies, right, in that sense, or these you know, teams as well. And you mentioned as well, like the team also is fluctuating, right? That the co-founders are moving around, the team is moving around. What's the dynamics of that? What's the you know, emotions or dynamics of a fluctuating team? Because, you know, co-founders are always a tricky dynamic issue, right? Like, you know, are they family? Are they friends? You know, are they colleagues? You know, you know I struggle with that myself, right? So. Yeah, totally. I think that that fluctuation, the only thing I can say about that is maybe that the fluctuation doesn't change, you know? Um, and I, I, I guess for me, you know, yeah, definitely there's that, that, that question, like you say, you know, is it our co-founders, family or friends or colleagues. Um, so there's, there's, there's that level of dynamic, but I think as, you know, I've, as, as, as I've sort of, you know, transitioned and, and maybe speaking now from, from, you know, my experience that's, that's, you know, freshest in my head at Aspire, right? Um, I, I think that fluctuation occurs uh, even as your organization scales. So it's not just, you know, uh, at a co-founder level, but, you know, even as your, your rapid scaling, right? Uh, I had this chat with, with a, a teammate today and, you know, it's literally you, you're on this ship, you're trying to plug the holes, right? Uh, the leaks, right? But you need that rocket to, to take off at the same time, right? And, and that, those are the fluctuations, right? You have people, you know, coming in, coming out. You're trying to manage that, but still like make the thing launch, right? Yeah, that's a tough part, right? For everybody. So tell us more about that. So, you know, there you are at Haystack and you're there at Group Hunt, right? And, you know, you're just working on this different dynamics and, you know, you say you're going to push on to be a solo founder and you're learning all these different things. But at some point, you know, you kind of make a decision. You say like, okay, you, you kind of decide to kind of like close that chapter, right? So what was going through on that set of decisions there? Oh, yeah, totally. So actually, you know, Group Hunt was actually, um, I think by its own measure of success, uh, you know, it, it, was a, it was a bootstrapped, uh, self-sustaining business. Uh, so we had built it to that level. Uh, I think we eventually, you know, had a, a small team of about seven, 
uh, we managed to find uh, a really solid growth loop, right? Uh, it, was, it was largely a SEO loop that was working for us. And yeah, I think the for, for me, maybe the, the biggest decision came when I, I you know, I along the way, I, I ran that for about three years after that, I think, Rupan, um, to get it to that scale. And during that time, you know, got married, had a kid, uh, you know, big life changes. Uh, and then asked myself, hey, you know, do I really see myself uh, continuing to do this for, you know, the next five years? And, and that was just kind of out of the blue, right? Uh, you know, one day you just ask yourself that question. Uh, and when I realized it, um, that was when I kind of, you know, started taking steps to uh, kind of, you know, uh, exit and, uh, you know, think about what to do next. But by all measures, I think, um, yeah, Gupan actually, you know, reached a yeah, ramen profitability, right? Let's say. Yeah. And yeah, so go on. So there you are and you, you're wrapping up and then you make a sense of decisions, right? So how did that go from there to Aspire? There was definitely a, a short period of, of soul searching that followed. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I knew that um, I wanted to find something that had, you know, real impact. I think that was what I was, I was searching for. Um, so honestly, I had, I, I think I had a good, uh, six months there, uh, just trying to think of what to do next. And, you know, in the meantime, you know, took a couple of consulting gigs, uh, a couple of startups. Right. And, you know, it was, I was, I was maybe even living, you know, the four hour Tim Ferriss life for a while. And then I got bored of that very quickly. <laughs> uh, I realized that was <laughs> not for me. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, my passion for, you know, impact kind of, you know, only grew because of that. Started having a couple of conversations, you know, with, with folks. I think, you know, it, the scene is very small, so you, you get linked up quite easily. Uh, and then, yeah, one day, uh, somehow got linked up and, and ended up chatting with, you know, Andrea, who's now my co-founder. Uh, and and Joe as well and yeah I, I still remember quite vividly it was like a Friday evening uh, I went in thinking we'd have a you know one hour chat ended up being four hours <laughs> I missed my dinner appointment uh, and then on Monday I was at the office yeah I, I guess just you know chatting about the opportunity and, and frankly I, I I knew that fintech was kind of a, a high potential space at the time uh, but I, I knew nothing about it. But I guess, you know, sort of my, my short experience before that, you know, building up these funding campaigns, the, the whole idea of, you know, crowdfunding and, and the impact that brings to a business, right? And, and business cash flow, uh, that kind of gave me a real insight into what Aspire was doing at the time. Uh, it, it, it made fintech somehow relatable to me as, as a entrepreneur or as a potential consumer. And that I think was really why, uh, yeah, I decided to, that, you know, this FinTech world made sense. It was more about like how the problem became real to me, right? So, you know, I, I think a lot of times when, as an outsider at the point of time, when I, I listened to people talk about FinTech, it tended to be quite on a technical 
level, right? And I couldn't, for the life of me, make out what it was. Uh, obviously, not being from finance, not being from banking. But yeah, that that, that the idea of you know uh, business cash flow was was something that was uh, for the first time in a fintech very real to me, uh, and I could understand that. And I think that's what uh, attracted me to the space. So what's interesting is that, you know, you've obviously met a lot of founders along the way, right? You know, amongst your peers, amongst, um, you know, the other founders that you have worked with up to that date. Was there anything, you know, special about this uh, pair that made you say like, hey, this conversation is worth me, you know, bailing on my dinner date <laughs> a few more hours, right? And being very rude. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think... What was interesting was that there was a certain drive that really appealed to me, right? Um, so at, at this time, uh, you know, this was probably three years ago now, um, you know, Andrea had sort of uh, quit his, his position at, at Lazada, right? Where he was CMO. Um, and obviously, you know, that, that I think itself says quite a bit. Uh, and he, he definitely saw something. Uh, so the, I, from him, I, I definitely got you know that drive, um, and then Joe, who, who's who's our who's our CTO, right? Um, he he was someone who was very real, right? He he had his fair share of of startups and and war stories, right? So he had done Bon Appetit, and you know he he wasn't coming from an angle of like oh I've been so successful, you know X number of exits kind of thing. It was more like hey, these are kind of the failures and, and lessons that I've learned along the way. Um, and that was, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was very refreshing. Uh, and, and somehow that, that combination, right, um, together with the fact that uh, the subject matter was so relatable, uh, right, uh, made me feel that, like, yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be, you know, this is how fintech should have impact. Hmm. Wow. And as you built all of that, how did you, um, you know, like tell yourself, because, you know, you built two companies by then, right? <laughs> and so you're like, you know, like, how did you tell yourself like, okay, this is something I want to, I, I have the energy to do a third one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, that couple of months that I had as a break, right? Um, I think that really sort of refueled the tank, I think, right? Uh, coming off, you know, the second one, I, I was tired, man. It is it is no easy feat, right? I was tired, you know, I was taking, like I, I said, an, an emotional toll, you know, I, why, you know, I was asking myself, why do I grind like that? Yeah, I, I think that couple of months really helped and, uh, you know, kind of, steady the mind and at the same time i think early on we we, we saw you know uh sort of that that traction right and i think you know at, at the end of the day as a startup winning winning matters right uh i think that that uh kind of energizes everyone and, and energizes the team so the early early signs were, were were there yeah that helps a lot i can imagine 
you know, one interesting thing, of course, is that you also had a family, right, throughout this entire parent process, right? So a kid, a partner. How did how was that going along? Because it's not easy, right, <laughs> to have family and then be a supposed breadwinner. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always say. Yeah. You know? uh, especially, you know, so how, how, how was that? I mean, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, definitely, uh, you know, my number one supporter is my wife, right? Uh, I think any founder probably holds their wife in, in that regard, right? Uh, it's a conversation that you guys have to have, set the right expectations and, and, and manage that relationship and, and conversation depending on, on, you know, what happens, right? Uh, but yeah, my wife has really been, you know, a tremendous source of support uh, for me. Um, that's it, you know, uh, obviously there's still challenging times, I, I, I still remember, you know, when we had our kid, uh, I think, you know, about a year, a year half in, uh, both of us didn't realize how, you know, completely sleep deprived we were. Uh, it was not something that we expected. Um, to this day, I, I often joke about how, but like I, I asked my friends, why no one ever told me about, you know, the amount of sleep that, that I would rack up. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, you know, I found myself actually also being, you know, more efficient because I was also, you know, driven by, by that desire to spend more time with the family uh, and to, you know, uh, manage my life, my life better as a whole, right? So I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in mindfulness and, and trying to create that, you know, uh, mindful environment for myself. Um, still a student here, uh, still got long ways to go. Uh, sometimes I still get completely consumed by work. But uh, I, yeah, mindfulness is something that I, I, you know, constantly try to remind myself to, to, to try to reach. Yeah, recently I was I went for you know a good walk with uh, you know another founder and you know he was reminding me about a challenge that I had because we were discussing it was just like you know the question about like you know financial security right like that conversation between you know the two partners right of the household especially in the context of family right. And, you know, he was struggling with it and, you know, and it reminded me of my conversations with my partner, you know. Uh, so is, do you think you have any advice on how a founder should talk with their husband or wife about, you know, the context that they're building something which may or may not work? I mean, it's like 90% chance of failure, especially in the early stage. Yeah. So how, how, how does that work? How do, how do you have that conversation, right? You know? Yeah. For, for me, I, I think it's, it's really... Uh, about truth and objectiveness, right? I, I, you know, when I was thinking about the topic, I also, you know, read read up about the topic at the time because uh, it's something that every founder goes through, I think. And a couple of tips that I had learned along the way was, you know, being clear about what are the the, the lines, right? What are the goal lines? Um, you know, what are the timelines? What that means and, and, and committing to that. And assessing that, you know, in periodic checks, right? I, I think those were maybe some of the more practical, uh, useful tips that I, I had gathered. Let's talk about timelines, right? Because there's a lot of promises, right? I feel like as a founder, I was always making promises to my wife, right? It's like, okay, you know, like I just need to, if I do this, ship out this product, you know, like, you know, get more customers, then we'll break even. And then, you know, things will turn around. And then, no, you know, okay, it didn't work out. So we're just going to ship it out one more time. I don't know. At least that's my recollection, I think. Uh, 
eventually things did, you know, turn around, but I think it was touch and go a few times, I think. Definitely, you know, uh, so I definitely feel like I was a bit what, rubbery with my, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, talking about, right? You know, with my timeline, I got to say, you know, rubber bandy about my timeline. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a, a, a tough one. I can I can identify with that for sure. Uh, I definitely felt it a few times. Yeah, the rubber band <laughs> was there, um, but yeah, you know, my wife, like yeah, like you say that, like I really look at her as 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 a partner, right? Partner at home, and you know, it's not, uh, you know, I, I involve her in, in a lot of the the big decisions that I have to make, right? And She's a completely, you know, different uh, field, but uh, we both sort of, you know, uh, are able to to spar, right? And 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 that that's been, you know, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think similar for my wife as so being in a different field and being able to be a good, independent, fair partner. I think, and it's been uh, good to sometimes be able to talk to her and you know just talk about you know people stuff and you know be able to get a independent point of view has been nice although sometimes she does sometimes tell me like jeremy says to stop bringing work back home i just don't want to talk about your company anymore can we just talk about tv or movies or you know the news (laughs) that's that's something i've also uh, learned over time (laughs) but but these days you know uh I, i i see the i see the upside in that as well right um, like, like you know, that the whole uh, thing about mindfulness that I shared earlier. Like, I, I think it's uh, it's something that I've I've really realized the the benefit of. Right, uh, you know, if you're stuck in 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 something twenty four seven, you don't see the wood for the trees. And uh, I think it's really important to be able to do that. Obviously, you know, to be able to say that's even a luxurious statement in itself. Yeah. So you mentioned mindfulness a few times as something that you care about and that you're thoughtful about. So how did that get started for you? When did you realize that was something important to be intentional about? Um, I think it was probably sometime towards the end of, of uh, my second startup, Group Hunt. Um, I think, you know, I was going through, you know, lots of emotional highs and, and, and lows and you know, as a founder, you, you, you can go through a couple of those throws in, in a 24 hour cycle, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's really no joke. And yeah, I think it was around that time when I, I realized like, Hey, this is not uh, productive, right? Uh, I'm not making any better decisions, uh, stressing myself out, uh, unnecessarily, uh, and, and thinking about things that I potentially can't change for, for long periods of time. And often, it's when you don't think about it where you where you find a solution, um, and that just kind of started building up, and yeah, it's it's something that I've I've taken with me since, and and uh, you know constantly remind myself about these days, and and it's it's something that you know I think even in uh, you know with, with with COVID and the pandemic, it's it's extremely important uh, as well, right? How do you practice that mindfulness now in terms of? you know, maybe like your aspirational versus like actual routine, I guess, you know, what does that actual routine look like to you? Yeah. A couple of things I can think of, right. I mean, uh, you know, at, at Aspire, we, um, 
we run a fully remote team right now uh, ever since COVID hit, right? Um, it doesn't matter where you work, what time zone you work. Um, and, you know, we, we are huge on ownership as, as, as culture and the idea that you're the owner for that particular part of the business and uh, we trust you get it done, it, we, 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 you know, however you get it done, right? And, you know, when you need to take time for yourself, take time for yourself. Um, and likewise, I'm like that, right? Um, I, I, I run a, a fixed schedule uh, each day, right? I make sure I spend time with my family. Uh, I make sure I carve out time to exercise, something I didn't do before uh, for a long time. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, experience different things uh, to sort of uh, break out of that monotony of COVID life, right? Uh, so like we were talking about earlier, you know, uh, picked up sailing, picked up tennis. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I like that idea of like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm so bad at it <laughs> that it's a, it's a real challenge for me there. Uh, yeah. And, and another thing that we do uh, that's maybe, you know, a bit more related to, to you know, work or BAU is that either every Friday or every Monday, uh, we ask everyone in the company to send out a simple email. Right? There are three parts. Uh, you describe the highlights of the previous week, uh, the lowlights, as well as the priorities for the coming week. I, I, I find the exercise, it, it really helps you to, to, number one, sort of rationalize the fact that you have ups and downs throughout, you know, not just an entrepreneurship journey, but, you know, working at a startup or, or working anywhere. There are ups and downs, right? Uh, but number two, it also makes you reflect upon the week uh, and ask yourself, you know, has it been effective? Have you been spending your time in the right places? And then it helps you to think ahead and to, to prioritize for the, the next week, right? Um, and, and I personally find that really helpful. Uh, but the exercise is also twofold, right? Uh, on the other hand, you know, now we're distributed. Uh, we have over 200 employees. Um, and, you know, it, it updates you uh, on, on each department and what's going on in the company, right? Uh, it provides a lot of, you know, sync. It's amazing to see how you really kind of like embedded not just the personal side of mindfulness, but also at a company level as well. On that note, I'd love to, you know, kind of hear you out uh, about you telling us about a time that you have been brave. I would say maybe it was the time when I decided to wrap up my second startup coupon, right? So I think it was, you know, like I shared, considerably uh, successful, but uh, it, was, it was not an easy decision to say, you know, let's let's transition out. Uh, you know, we had we had you know we had a team of seven. Uh, we had to consider that. There was, let's say, no no real reason that we had to do it. But I think, you know, looking back, I, I, and it was a very scary decision at the time, right? I didn't know what I was going to do next. I had no plans. Uh, I knew I wanted to, to figure some things out. And obviously, you know, with the seven, we, we, we helped them transition, et cetera. Um, but looking back, you know, it, it was, I, I think that was a time when, yeah, um, I was brave and looking back, I'm, I'm glad to, to have been brave. What about it 
was brave from your perspective? I mean, what aspects of that decision was brave on reflection? I think the fact that we could have continued going, but the question at the back of that, you know, not just in my mind, but, you know, in, in the team's mind, what we were doing at the time is, you know, what was the impact we were making? And, you know, I think it was coming to to terms with that and, and, and the fact that we, we didn't feel that uh, it was as impactful as, as we wanted and, and then making making that call, right? Because uh, it, it, it would have been relatively easy to, to continue. Yeah, and, and then making that call, you know, not, not knowing what was next. What does it mean to make that call? I mean, when you say make that call, you know, you call, you know, some people call it a shutdown, you can call it a failure, you can call it a closure. I mean, like, what do you call it now? I mean, you know, so many ways to call it, right? But I guess on in your words, how do you call it, right? I think when I look at it, I practically speaking, right, the, the reality of it is, you know, a, a shutdown, right? Like, a, a, you know, you decide to, to fulfill all, all outstandings and, you know, uh, make good on customers and, and, and you know, uh, employees and, and shut it down. But if I were to, to if you ask me to choose a word, it's, it's, it's a learning. Hmm. Why do you choose that word? Um, I guess that's, that's how I see it, right? Um, <laughs> I guess I, I, I use that word quite a lot, but I, I really hmm. believe in, in, in that, right? Uh, I think, you know, uh, the combination of, of actions that, that of, of what you've created, the, the learnings that you draw from from each experience defines you and, and moves you to to your next thing and, and you know um, yet at the same time it's a, it's a very real part of you that you bring along. Yeah, I mean that's a tough one right because you know there's a recent Angelist study right which was like you know they're saying like one out of 40 companies that receive seed funding, from a reputable company, however you want to call that, uh, will become a unicorn and then the rest will pretty much effectively fail, right? From that, you know, which yeah. means, you know, you know, you know, get somewhere, get some revenue, but a lot of them are just yeah, zombie-ish, right? You know, uh, and so there's going to be 39 out of 40. So I remember some friends are like, wow, one out of 40 is great odds, you know, <laughs> uh, you know. And I always tell people, I was like, well, you have better odds doing roulette, you know, and, uh, you know, Marina Bay Sands, right? You know, there are less numbers on a wheel than 40, right? So there's actually a lot of founders who are going to be in that same position as you, right? Which is like, you know, they're going to have the, you know, they're going to be in that, you know, like, you know, limbo zone, right? You know, that, that judgment zone of like, where, whether or how to make that call, right? What advice would you give them in processing or structuring the process on how to make that call on whether to push on or like call it a day, right? And start a new chapter, right? And close this chapter. Yeah, oh, it's a great question. And uh, yeah, that's, that is, I mean, you, you're a VC, right? <laughs> you would know that, uh, but it's, it's true, right? And uh I think maybe the only interesting point that I, I would say to that is um, I think there's also a firm belief that, you know, if you're a multiple time founder, that that stat changes. 
Um, and I think that's really boils down to like experience and, and learnings, right? And uh, when you, you, you do it again, you, you, you don't do it the same way. So I, I don't know if I have a great answer to, you know, how to think about when it's time to, to make that call. Because sometimes you don't know, right? Sometimes it's very clear and black and white. Those are the easy ones to make, right? Uh, nothing's working out. Those are the easy ones to make. I think this was th- this particular decision was really hard because it wasn't so clear. Um, and uh, you know, I I I can only speak from a personal uh, you know point of view here as as to you know maybe quite a few of those reasons were you know personal or like uh, decisions that we as a team you know kind of uh, came up with eventually. And that was that was you know fine and right by us, uh, but I, I think maybe the only sort of uh, silver lining to, to to share, or maybe what I would like to, to tell you know other founders is is that you know it's it's not uh, it's not a wasted experience for sure, and uh, that's the way I, I would I would love for everyone to look at it right. I think uh, failure, you know, whatever you want to call it, is is often not. Uh, something that's celebrated or, or talked about much uh, in this part of the world. A very different culture, you know, when you compare it to, to the States, for example. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think the process is not easy for sure. And, I, you know, on that note, I think that, um, like you said, the clear cut is more super clear cut. I think the in-between is super hard. But I do think, I, actually, I think what you're right to say is that I think the most important part of the process is to remember that it's not a binary between like, you know, the only way is to succeed and failure is equals zero, right? Because actually at the end of the failure of this thing is that we actually walk out with that experience and learning and the potential to build something new, right? That's actually quite a new chapter, right? That can actually reset the whole process altogether. Yeah. The chance to build something new, right? So it's success of this venture or the chance to succeed in something new, right? That's the choice at the end of the day. Awesome. Well, on that note, I'd love to paraphrase by uh, summarizing the three big themes I got from this discussion. Uh, The first, of course, is thank you so much for sharing all the lessons you had as a serial founder all the way from, uh, I guess, uh, rugby artistic junior college days (laughs) to to uh artistic uh marketplace days to uh you know group uh by marketplace days to where you are at aspire uh just lots of learnings about you know what you learn your rate of learning uh, but also i love what you talked about which is like you know that dynamic between uh how in retrospect everything is very crystallized in terms of lessons versus at a time uh very long drawn out ways to <laughs> learn those things and I love that self-awareness because I think it helps remind people like you and I can uh, boil, it up, boil it down into a one-hour conversation. And yeah, it's because we are looking on it backwards rather than, you know, living it at that time. Uh, the second is thank you so much for sharing what I call like the relational mindfulness. I love uh, all the advice you gave on how to discuss with your partner and your how to be thinking about family commitments um, and um, how to be thoughtful in conversations with founders and your own role, uh, and also how to structure mindfulness into the company as well uh, as a form of practice in the workplace, uh, and as well as your own personal practice of mindfulness as well. 
uh, especially because you're aware of how, uh, like you said, there are multiple emotional troves <laughs> in the same uh, hour as a founder, uh, which is, I think, the most uh, succinct and diplomatic way of describing the founder life. <laughs> and uh, thank you also for uh, very nicely kind of, uh, sharing. Um, I think what it's like to make that call to shut down a company uh, is the straightforward way of saying it. Uh, but, you know, it's not necessarily a choice between choosing to fail, but actually a choice of, you know, choosing push on versus the choice to choose to build something new. Uh, and, um, you know, Joel, thank you so much for being brave and uh, choosing to build something new twice <laughs> and uh, uh, being where you are today. And uh, uh, I cannot help but continue to wish you uh, much bravery and the best of luck in continuing to push uh, this. And I'm sure that you continue to push new ventures and new initiatives uh, into uh, the future. And thank you so much for sharing your journey, Joel. Thanks so much, friend Jeremy. It was a, it was a pleasure uh, catching up. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave.